really good morning to you and a warm welcome to St Paul's Online. My name is Adam, I'm one of the clergy here at St Paul's. You're really welcome with us as we worship together. In a moment I'm going to hand over to Gethin and Josh who are leading our sung worship today. Before I do that I'd like to read to you Psalm 100. You might find it in your own Bibles. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. As I was praying for this service this morning, this psalm came to mind. I wonder, as we begin our service by praying, perhaps you can hold in your heart or in your mind something that you're particularly thankful for at the moment. So that as we enter into worship, as we enter into this time together to draw near to God, our hearts will be full of thanksgiving and praise. So let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your presence with us. And we enter into this worship now, Lord, with hearts of thanksgiving and praise. Lord, we praise your name, for you are good and your love endures forever. Would you help us to see your faithfulness at work throughout our lives? And as we draw near to you now, Lord, we pray that you would draw near to us afresh. Come and meet with us by your Spirit and help us to know that even as we are apart, we are together and found in you. So draw near to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. so good to me for I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so God. 
Hi, I'm David. I am part of the church here. I don't know the names of all of you, but I wonder if any of you have a nickname. Or maybe you don't have one, but you use one for someone else. My uncle still calls my mum by her nickname, and I've never heard him use her actual name, Angela. Did you know that when Jesus' followers were first called Christians, it was a nickname? Jonathan 
will preach later on from Acts 11. And the end of verse 26 tells us that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And although Christian is used on only two other occasions in the Bible, it's a nickname that has stuck. We're still called Christians today. Can anyone think of another Bible nickname that has stuck? I'm going to tell you about someone in the Bible who's better known by his nickname than by his name. If you were to think about someone in the Bible called Joseph, who would come to mind? If I say a biblical Joseph, who would you think about? You might think about Joseph, the son of Jacob in Genesis in the Old Testament, which is a great story. Or you might think about Joseph, the husband of Mary and Jesus' dad, which is an even greater story. There's another Joseph in the New Testament who's mentioned in Acts 11, although he's mentioned by his nickname rather than by his name. Joseph is better known as Barnabas. Nicknames usually have a meaning and it's good to know the meaning of the nickname before we use it. You might not know what the nickname Christian means, but if you listen carefully later on, you'll find out. The nickname Barnabas means son of encouragement. In other words, Joseph was called Barnabas because he encouraged people. And when we encourage someone, we give them help, we give them support, we give them confidence, and we give them hope. We're told in verse 24 of Acts 11 that Barnabas was good, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I work for a charity called Barnabas Fund and we help persecuted Christians. Christians who are persecuted are those who suffer. Now, all Christians suffer, all people suffer. But the difference is that a persecuted Christian, and we've been learning about some of them in Acts, some of the Christians who were persecuted. A persecuted Christian is one who suffers because she or he follows Jesus, because they're Christian, because other people don't like them following Jesus and even want to stop them following Jesus. So we're called Barnabas Fund as a charity because we want to encourage persecuted Christians that they're not forgotten and that there are other Christians who care about them and want to help them. One last question is this, who can you, who can I encourage today and throughout this week? Or if that's a new word for you, who can you help? Who can you support? To whom can we give confidence and hope? Let's be Christian this week. Let's be Christians this week. Let's be like Barnabas. Let's be sons and daughters of encouragement. Let's be children who help. Let's be neighbours who support. Let's be parents, teachers who give confidence. Let's be people who give hope. And now let's pray. Father, we thank you that you 
encourage us that you have sent Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to guide us and direct us as we are church today, just as he did the church in Acts. Holy Spirit, guide us to specific people this week whom we can encourage. And thank you that as we encourage others, we ourselves will be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, David. And we're going to come to our all-age song now. Uh, I've run out of people who are keen to do actions, and so if you'd like to help with that, please do get in touch with me. My details are on the website. For now, we're going to sing the song My Lighthouse, uh, and you can do the actions at home if you'd like to. Let's sing.
Pauls, I'm Kate, I'm the youth minister here at the church and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer this morning. Um, now I don't know if you have managed to get away for a holiday or if you've been enjoying holidaying at home over the summer, um, but I thought we might use the idea of it being holiday time in our prayers today. Um, so I want you to imagine that I am at the beach, I want you to imagine that you are at the beach too, um, and we're going to use the sea um, to shape our prayers this morning. And it might be that you want to grab um, some paper and some pens and do some drawings of the beach and the things we talk about while you do this. Um, or it might be that you just want to take part in the prayers and not draw, that's fine too. The prayers um, are based actually today um, on uh, the Church of England's prayers um, for uh, this, about the sea. Um, I found it on the, the Church of England webpage and I thought these prayers are really great. Um, some of them are prayers that are said by the Navy or people who work at sea, um, but I thought they might be a really good format for our prayers this morning. So the words we use might be a bit different to what we are used to, um, but I have tried to change some of the language so we still kind of know what it means, um, but really keep that richness of um, these really old prayers that were written a long time ago. Um, so our first prayer is actually a sorry prayer. Um, and this prayer um, is used by um, people in storms at sea. Um, so why don't you think about something that you want to say sorry for? So you could draw your, be drawing your beach, um, and while you're drawing it and you're finding that peace and that calm of being at the beach, why don't you think about something that you need to say sorry to God for? So let's pray. The um, prayer will come up on your screen. So if you want to join with me and say it out loud, you're very welcome to do that. Otherwise, I will say it for us. So let's pray. O oh, most powerful and glorious Lord God, at whose command the winds blow and lift up the waves of the sea and who stills the rage of the sea, we, your people, cry out to you for help. We confess, when we have been safe and seen all things quiet about us, we have forgotten you. But we see now how great you are in all your works of wonder. The great God be feared above all. And therefore, we adore your divine majesty, acknowledging your power and seeking your goodness. Help, Lord, and save us for your mercy's sake. In Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Okay, hopefully you have some beautiful pictures of uh, the beach or the seaside. Um, and now we are going to think about um, saying thank you to God. So the pictures above me, you can see have been beautifully drawn by my family. Um, and in them are things that they are thankful for. So um, there's a paddle board. Um, our one-year-old loved licking rocks at the sea the other day. Um, there's also a surfboard. Um, so yeah, perhaps when you go to the sea, you think about things that you love and particularly enjoy doing there. Or perhaps um, you want to think about some things at home that you've really enjoyed doing um, lately and you want to say thank you to God for. So this is our moment to say thanks. And this prayer is actually a storm of thanksgiving after there's been a storm. So there'll be some stormy words in there. Um, but why don't we pray together? Again, it will come up on the screen if you want to join in. Most blessed and glorious Lord God, who is of infinite goodness and mercy, we are your people who you have made and preserved, holding our souls in life and rescuing us. We offer you a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, 
you heard us when we called in our trouble and did not cast out our prayer, which we made before you in great distress. Even when we thought everything was lost, our ship, our goods, our lives, then you looked mercifully upon us and wonderfully commanded a deliverance. Now that we're in safety, we give you all the praise and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, our final prayer is going to be a prayer of praise to God. Um, so in your pictures, you might want to draw a beautiful sunshine. You might want to draw an ice cream. You might want to draw people that you love. Um, if you're at home not drawing, you might want to think about um, yeah ways that God's been really faithful and things you want to give thanks to him for um, today. And um, this prayer is based on a hymn of praise after a dangerous tempest. I'm not sure what a tempest is. I think it's a really, really big storm. Um, but yeah, let's think of things that we want to praise God for, ways that he has blessed us and ways um, that, yeah, he has just shown his goodness to us. So let's pray. Most mighty and gracious God, your mercy is over all of your works but in a special way you powerfully and wonderfully defend us. You have showed us great things and wonders in the deep that we might see how powerful and gracious a God you are, how able and ready you are to help those who trust you. You have shown us how both the wind and the sea obey your command, that we may learn from them to obey your voice and do your will. We therefore bless and glorify your name. We ask you would give us hearts always ready to express our thankfulness, not only by words, but also by our lives, in being more obedient to your holy commandments. May we serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. We're going to end our time of prayer now by saying the Lord's Prayer. Um, so do join in with that and do the actions if you know them. I'll try and get them right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now we're going to sing again. Can go back to the beginning Can control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the place where you promised to be I'm not enough Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are, will you meet me here again? 
as I walk now through the valley Let your love rise above every fear Like the sun shaping the shadow In my weakness your glory appears Not enough unless you place but in my heart bathe me in your love and search me from deep within know all that is needing your truth for I have made myself something the world wants to see but you can strip it all away 
strip it all away help me to reclaim my rightful identity the calling you have given me only you can set me free Father in heaven, you are welcomed here Not just in this place, but in my heart Bathe me in your love and search me from deep within Know all that is needing your truth I have made myself something the world wants to see But you can strip it all away Strip it all away Help me to reclaim my rightful identity The calling you have given me Only you can set me free Authentic lives full of holiness and in your design and God living us today. He sent your spirit down, he tore the veil into all of this so we could meet with you and God make home in us. We stand and cry for authentic lives full of holiness. And in your design and God living us today You sent your spirit down, you tore the veil into All of this so we could meet with you I want to fall in your presence and never look back Fall in your presence and never look back I want to fall in your presence and never look back Never look back God make home in us We stand and cry for lives full of holiness and in your design and God living us today you sent your spirit down you tore the veil into all of this so we could meet with you our father in heaven you are welcome here not just in this place, but in my heart. Hello, I'm Colin Goodchild. I've been coming to St Paul's for five years uh, with my wife Lizzie and my daughter Evie. And I'm going to do the reading today, which is from Acts uh, chapter 11, verses 19 to 30, and then chapter 12, verses 25 uh, to 13, verse 3. And it's all about the church 
at Antioch. Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, and also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananine, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. We are continuing to look through the story of the early church uh, following the story in Acts. You may remember how it all started back uh, before Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, we saw how when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the church exploded into growth in Jerusalem and spread from there uh, in the area as persecution came, so it spread further. In the last few weeks, we focused on the way different individuals were converted. First of all, there was Philip and the Ethiopian official who, uh, history tells us, went back to and started the church in Ethiopia. There was the conversion of St. Paul a couple of weeks ago who took the gospel round Europe. Uh, and then last week we looked at the conversion of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, uh, and how the church recognised that God had called the Gentiles to be converted as well as the Jews. Today we're looking at the growth of whole new churches and we're focusing on the church, the new church at Antioch. 
Uh, you can look up the map at the back of your Bible and see where it is, the northeast Mediterranean, roughly where Syria and Turkey join. Uh, this was the church where we've just heard in verse 26 that the disciples were first called Christians. I don't think it was meant as a compliment, it was a sort of nickname of these Christ people, these Christ ones. Uh, but it's stuck and we've been known as Christ's people, Christians, ever since. As I've read this story of the church in Antioch, I realised what a wonderful church uh, the church in Antioch was and how much we've got to learn from it at St Paul's. Uh, four things I've jotted down for us today, though there are many more. Uh, the first one is the way God uses difficult times to grow his church. Our story starts off in verse 19. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews to start with. Then some of them began to speak to Greeks also telling them about the Lord Jesus. So what happened as the disciples were persecuted was they scattered around the whole area and some went to Antioch. Uh, back in Acts chapter 6 where we saw the first deacons, one of them was Nicholas from Antioch and it could be he and his family and some friends when the persecution broke out decided to head back home to Antioch and others joined them. We don't know exactly who it was but we do know that they told people about Jesus and so the church spread. Now God loves to use bad situations and turn them into good. Supremely he took the cross of Jesus and turned that into the greatest day in history when Jesus rose again and our sins are forgiven. We call the day Jesus died Good Friday, not Bad Friday. But God takes persecution, a terrible thing, and uses it to grow his church as he did here in Acts of the Apostles and as he's done down through history. Indeed, in recent times, the growth of the church in China under persecution uh, is a modern example. It gives me encouragement that God will be using this terrible situation of COVID-19 uh, and all the restrictions there are around the world. God will use that for good to grow his church. Each week I hear of someone who has been impacted by our services further afield. We had someone from China who was a student here uh, a few years ago writing in say how helpful it had been. Uh, we had one from Yorkshire a few days ago. Just last week I had a lovely email uh, from a couple in Dudley where one of them had been part of this church and they've been watching and have grown in their faith. Uh, God is using COVID-19 to spread his good news over the internet but he's also using it I think to wean us off an over-dependence on the big Sunday gathering and to focus more in small groups and friendships and chatting the gospel and encouraging each other which is of course how the early church spread and how I suspect it should be spreading in the years that lie ahead. Though of course it will be wonderful when we can have our big Sunday gatherings again. So that's the first thing, God uses difficult times to grow his church. Here's the second thing, uh, the church grows as everyone shares the good news of Jesus. Again we saw that in verses 19 and 20, everyone who was scattered shared the good news of Jesus, first with Jews and then also with Greeks and Gentiles. You can see how it happens. Someone moves into an area, in this case Antioch, and people living by them say, where have you come from? We've come from Jerusalem. Why did you move? Well, we were being persecuted. Why were you being persecuted? 
Well, because we are followers of Jesus. Who is Jesus? I've never heard of him. And on the conversation goes. Now, we are all called to live in such a way as people ask questions. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, live with Jesus as Lord and always be ready to give an answer for the hope you have when people ask questions. Uh, but many of us aren't very good at it. Uh, when I was younger, we were trying, trained for everyone to be evangelists. And of course, we're not all evangelists. And many, many Christians have gone quiet, not very good at sharing their faith and feeling a bit guilty and ashamed of not doing it. We may not all be evangelists, but we are all called to be witnesses, to tell something of our story when we're asked about it. And we're to live in such a way as it's quite likely that people will ask. Now, we need God's help uh, to release us from any guilt about how hopeless we've been at this down the years, but to fill us afresh with his spirit. Remember Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses where you are, Jerusalem, the area, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God will call some of us to go further afield to spread his good news. Uh, now, we all need help in this. And next term in our small groups, we're going to use a resource that John McGinley's written called Mission Shaped Living, which he's tried and tested. John is an old friend uh, who took over from me as vicar in Hinckley and is now the vicar at, well, the associate vicar. He's got a wider ministry now in Leicester. Uh, he taught our leaders at our Hothorpe Leaders Weekend a couple of years ago, principles of sharing our faith by grace and not guilt. And these have been road tested in small groups up and down the country. And we're going to use that resource, Mission Shaped Living, next term, to help us to give practical wisdom to how we can live in such a way as the sharing of our faith will come more naturally. We need the Holy Spirit. We need practical help. Uh, and the church grows best <coughs> as all of us share our story naturally. Here's the third thing I notice. The church needs good leadership. Here's a new church starting in Antioch as people just chatted about Jesus and folks come to living faith. And the leaders in Jerusalem hear about it and they send Barnabas, uh, the best man they know, an encourager, kind, uh, a pastor, and he goes and he is hugely delighted by what's going on and he loves them and pastors them. But he realises that this church needs someone who can teach them, someone who's sharp evangelistically to help handle all the questions that are coming in. And he knows just the man. So he goes in search of Saul of Tarsus, later known as St Paul. He lived just around the corner in Tarsus and Barnabas goes to find him and brings him back. And for a whole year, we read that Saul and Barnabas teach the church there well. Well, every church needs good leadership and no one leader can provide all that's needed. And down the years, God has brought lots of different people to us, some for shorter times, some for longer times. It's been fantastic to have Adam as my curate for the last three years. He's been a brilliant curate and we'll miss him when he goes. Uh, but he's ready to lead the church down at Southsea. And I'm sure God is preparing someone to come and join us, or maybe more than one. I'm sure God is raising up many from within our church to take a step up into leadership more. But often we need some help that, with gifts that we don't have. So would you join with me in praying that God will bring the right clergy colleague to join me in leading the church uh, for the next era? And then the last thing I notice is just what a healthy, generous church 
the church at Antioch was. We've seen Barnabas's pastoring. We've seen Paul's teaching and evangelism. Uh, we see how they're open to prophecy. The prophet Agapus comes in verse 27 and 28 and prophesies there's going to be a terrible famine, which did come. Uh, the church in Antioch is a generous church and they organise a collection uh, from their riches to send off to the poorer Christians who are still being persecuted in Jerusalem. And they send it off with Saul and Barnabas. Uh, then we get to chapter 13 when Saul and Barnabas come back. Let me read on for you. Chapter 12, verse 25, then the beginning of chapter 13. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, that was taking the collection to Jerusalem, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Uh, just incidentally, I love the team leadership there from different races, black and white, and from different social backgrounds as well. I love the fact they're worshipping and fasting and seeking God's leading. And then God calls them to send off Barnabas and Saul for the work he's called them to. And the church does it, releases some of its best leaders to go elsewhere. And you can read the story of Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey in chapters 13 and 14. And in the maps at the back of your Bible, you'll probably find a map with it traced out as they go and share the gospel and plant churches all round that region. And then at the end of chapter 14, how they come back and they report back and they stay in Antioch a long time, we read, before they go off again. So in summary, Antioch is a church that started small as people moved and told others about Jesus. It grew. The Lord brought good leadership to them. They were taught well and pastored well. They were open to the prophetic. They were generous. They worshipped. They fasted. They gave away some of their best people for mission. Now down the years, St Paul's has been on a similar journey. Many of you will know the potted history. We were planted in 1873. The church went up and down until it was almost closed in 1962 or 1963 when God sent Norman Warren as an evangelist to share the gospel and bring people back to faith and then Andrew Dow as a Bible teacher and Bill Merrington as a pastor uh, and then I came with a vision to see a healthy church across all areas including worship and small groups and evangelism uh, and that's still our vision that the church is healthy and God grows it St Paul's has been a generous church. We've got many mission partners and we've given people away and money away and prayer. God's called lots of people to be ordained or to go and serve other churches locally. But you may remember I said a few weeks ago that at the PCC in July, we sensed a new stage in our life together. We sensed that God is calling us not just to give people or money, but to look to plant new churches, to re-energise and revitalise churches that are tired or stuck and where there's new housing or new areas to plant new churches, maybe new expressions of church reaching people who wouldn't go to traditional church. God is doing something similar across the whole Church of England. There is a wave of church planting going on 
uh, and churches being designated as resource churches. Now the church at Antioch uh, is a brilliant example of a resource church, a church that's grown and then releases resources to plant other churches and encourage others. We're in conversation with the Bishop and Archdeacon about what this will mean for us at St Paul's. Uh, we don't know how God's going to lead and where we, he will want us to plant or who he will call away. But we do sense God calling us, a bit like that church in Antioch, to be ready to release people to go and start new expressions of church or encourage others further afield. So will you pray with me that God will guide us and we'll keep in step with his spirit and that St Paul's will be ready not just to grow ourselves, but to grow new churches and new disciples in this wider area. And let's pray together. Lord God, our Father, we thank you that you are the God of the resurrection. You turn the cross into resurrection. You turn persecution into church growth. We pray that right around the world you would use this COVID-19 pandemic to spread the good news of Jesus as churches care for people, as church explodes online, uh, as there are new ways of being church and small groups are encouraged again. We pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us afresh as individuals. Just take a minute quietly. Come Holy Spirit and fill your people afresh. Release us, we pray, from shame and guilt at how hopeless we have been individually at telling others about you. Cleanse us, wash us and fill us afresh and Make us to be witnesses for Jesus. May we find ourselves talking about him, even if we're not quite sure how it happened. May people ask us about our faith. And we pray next term, as small groups use the Mission Shaped Living resource, that that will be an encouragement to us. We pray that you would raise up new leaders for us for this new stage, both from within our church and bring to us the, right, the leaders we need from outside our church. And we pray that you will guide us together with the bishop and archdeacon about what it means for us to be a church that looks to resource others, uh, to plant new expressions of church, to re-energise churches that have got tired. Will you guide us and help us to keep in step with your Holy Spirit as you lead us beyond our comfort zones individually and as a church? Give us grace to look to you. And as we worship you now, we pray you continue to pour out your spirit on us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. upon your name and 
keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for i am yours and you are mine grace abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand my guide feed me fail fear surrounds me you never failed and you won't start now and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the wave rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine oh, oh, oh. you are mine My trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander My faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander My faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine for I am yours and you are mine so thank you Gethin and Josh for leading our worship today and thank you to Matt and Tom for putting it all together. Just before I lead in a closing prayer of blessing, 
uh, there's some news and notices to give about some changes coming up ahead in September. Uh, earlier today I sent a letter out to the church put, setting these out in detail. Some of you will have seen that, some of you won't have seen it yet. Uh, but I want to make sure that you're aware of these changes coming up. From Sunday September the 6th, so in two weeks time, we want to do as much from our church building as we possibly can. So we're going to restart the 8 o'clock communion service in the church building. Very grateful to Anne Hibbert who's been leading it by Zoom for the last five months. But we'll be meeting back in the building at 8 o'clock. Uh, there's no need to book in as we've got plenty of space in the church building. Uh, so to come at 8 o'clock and that will be fine. Uh, Sunday morning the main service is going to look slightly different. From 10 o'clock from se September the 6th, Katie will be putting material online on YouTube for our children. And then at 10.30 uh, we will be broadcasting live from the church our main Sunday morning service. Uh, in due course we hope that we'll be able to invite uh, a few to join us. Capacity is limited but to start off with it will just be the people who are leading the service who will be there. So that will be online at half past ten from the 6th of September. And we'll also be restarting our Sunday evening service at half past six on Sunday evenings. Now you will need to book in for that online. Uh, we'll be able to have 40 or 50 people there but you will need to book in and we will also live stream that for anyone who would like to join in with our evening worship. Uh, we'll be looking at different sermon series on Sunday mornings. I'll be looking at some of the promises of Jesus where he says I will do certain things and on Sunday evenings we'll be looking through the letter to the Philippians. As far as the midweek service is concerned just going to operate monthly in September and October, a communion service on September the 23rd and October the 21st. And I hope that we'll be able to restart the midweek service weekly after half term at the end of October. If you do come to join us for any of our worship in church, you'll need to wear a mask and we will be maintaining social distancing. Uh, so quite a lot of change in the way we do our services, but I hope that that will come over uh, fresh after five months of doing services this way. And I'm so grateful, especially to Adam and Lars, who've masterminded putting this together. Then there are quite a few changes to our staff team coming up in September as well. There's always lots of comings and goings at this time of the summer as people join us and people move, to move elsewhere. On the clergy team, we've already said goodbye to Ruth and in October we will be saying goodbye to Adam as he heads off to be the vicar of St Jude's in Southsea. We'll say a proper goodbye then. Uh, at the end of October, sorry, at the end of August, uh, so just a 10 days time or so, uh, changes to our children's team. Both Hannah and Roz are leaving our children's team. Hannah worked for us for three years before she had her two years maternity leave. Roz has been with us for the last two years. And there's a nice quote from each of them on the letter I sent out earlier today and we pray blessing on both of them. Uh, I'm very pleased that we have three interns joining us. Lucy, Kira and Michelle will be starting on September the 6th. They'll be living in the house next to church and serving in uh, many if not all of our ministries across the church in different ways. Uh, I've also told you before that Jem Wardle will be rejoining the staff team as our student worker. Jem was an intern with us a couple of years ago and we're really pleased to have Jem back. 
And we've also made a new ap appointment with the rise of online services and church and the enormous potential of those and with our growing needs of technology and with Adam moving on, who's been overseeing our technology for the last three years. I'm really pleased to tell you that Lars Wicks has agreed to join the staff team for 12 hours a week uh, to make sure that we are well equipped and supported for all our online and media ministry. Uh, so he'll be joining us. Lars is well known, having been part of the church for 19 years and has been putting these services together for the last five months. So lots of changes in the staff team and I dare say there'll be lots of changes for you, many of you as well. Uh, new years at school or university, new jobs or changes in the way you do things. But one thing doesn't change and that is the Lord. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So let's commit all of this to him in a closing prayer and blessing. We praise you Lord Jesus that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. Help us to put our security in you so that we are not shaken by all the changes that come in this life. We pray for uh, the staff team, for those leaving, for those joining, for those remaining, uh, for a united happy staff team uh, serving the church. We commit to you the changes in the way we do our services. Will you guide us and help us to keep in step with you? And give us grace to glorify you in our worship and draw many others to worship you too. And we pray for ourselves that you will give us grace to look to you, even if we are, like it said in that song, in oceans, a bit out of our depth from time to time. Thank you that you are with us always. So now receive this blessing from God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look kindly on you and give you his peace. So may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and shine through you this day and forevermore. Amen. As always, there's a chance to join in Zoom and chat to some different folks and meet some others from the church family. Uh, I won't be there today as actually I recorded this a couple of days ago and I've nipped down to Devon on holiday but I pray great blessing on you as Adam leaves you in a Zoom coffee. <laughs>